Thomas, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. So you don't, you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Thomas Ilvesacker. Uh, I'm Todd's neighbor. <laughs> and you're also a you musician. did you did philosophy right at uh, yep, UD. Yep, one of my majors was philosophy, so I spent a lot of time. And one of your uh, role models in philosophy is Albert Camus, right? Hundred oh, percent. Would you say your your philosophy is kind of based on Albert Camus, or is it a mix of other people? I'd say it's it's mostly existentialist, really like Camus, Sartre, and Nietzsche are the three that really. Okay. So what is what is existentialism? Uh, the belief that you it's, uh, it's hard to break down the words kind of. Well, uh, Jean Paul Sartre, the famous existentialist, he said existence precedes essence, right? Yep. So that the meaning of our life isn't chosen for us by some sort of like God or something. Yep. We but create. That we create our own meaning in yep. our life. There's no pre. There's no predetermined path. Yep. To I don't know worship some God or spread the word of mm -hmm. God or whatever. It's just you create whatever it is that you want your life to, to like have. And okay. It's overall. Uh, so, so you're your own God in a sense. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what makes Albert Camus special? We're going to be on this podcast. We're going to talk about his philosophy. So what does Albert Camus believe? Uh, I think he's a little... He obviously believed similar things to Sartre that came up around the same time in the same circles, but I think he's a little more humanist than Sartre would be. Like he, he's not quite as caught up in I don't know arguing a philosophy as much as he is about living that philosophy. Mm. I mean, making meaning where there is no meaning so he was he was kind of like an anti-philosopher right like he didn't really care about like formulating things he was more about living i i would say so i think yeah. he's more about living he a lot of his philosophy is through fictionalized hmm. settings he doesn't really he doesn't write like big treatises on philosophy itself he hmm. most of his books are works of fiction that yeah, I just realized that most of his books aren't really like arguments; they're more stories telling, like yeah. a lesson about life. And I find that no, I don't. I don't necessarily find that that uh, conveys his philosophy as like bet or like conveys that philosophy better than just a normal thing. But mm -hmm. it's just, I, don't know, I think it might be easier for him to dump that his ideas into a character rather than just trying to. Creating an expose of mm -hmm. existentialism. So uh, his main thing was absurdism. He called it. What is absurdism? Absurdism is basically the belief that everything, including our existence, is just absolutely absurd. Like the fact that we even exist at all is this like micro, like m micro uh, percentage. Yeah. Like that even you or I would have been born is so small. So basically, we're not as significant as we think in our day-to-day -day yeah. lives. We're like a little speck on a little rock on an expansive universe. Yeah. So we're not we're not the center of the universe, but sometimes we like to think ourselves that way. And I think most, especially when he was, he, his like prime years as a philosopher slash author um, would have been 
like the teen, 19 teens to about like maybe a little later than that, 20s to like the 40s. Mm. During that time, obviously, we have all, a lot of upheaval in the world and a lot of political leaders that want themselves to be the center of the universe, mm-hmm. i.e. Hitler and Stalin and things. Mm-hmm. So I think that might have informed his view that things were just completely absurd because there are all these people that mm-hmm. thought they were the, for lack of a better term, the shit. And they really... Yeah. And didn't, like, he say, like, life is a joke, kind of a comedy? Basically, yeah. I, 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 I think he would agree with that. Yeah. That it's just like a tragicomic... <laughs> event because people are the fact that anything anything people give a shit about is just absurd Mm -hmm. so like even philosophers like they put so much weight on like oh what's the moral thing to do what's all this he's just saying like what are we even doing like might as well just live our lives do what we think is best and just we're gonna die one day yeah like the in the strain his novel the stranger that's really the entire treatise of the book is that this guy, Mayor Salt, um, lives his life and really puts very little meaning on everything. The beginning of the novel, his mother, he's at a funeral, I believe it's his mother who died. And that he doesn't really react a whole lot because he, like, he finds really spending any time mm. getting upset and sad or something like that's worthless. Mm. And he ends up killing a guy on the beach and kind of struggles with whether or not it really means anything that he killed this guy because hmm. who cares like in the so, grand scheme of things is killing one person really matter that much so is this philosophy like anti-morals like anti-moralism i don't think it's anti-morals i think it's more like he's anti-attaching so much like meaning to anything that it that it overshadows your like entire existence because like like i said about the funeral like there's so many people that when a family member dies like they completely lose any sort of connection with what's mm-hmm. like their life they just kind of shut down entirely mm-hmm. i think he's kind of fighting against it saying you know you can't just attach all this meaning to one thing and then lose yourself in it because mm-hmm. that's extremely absurd like you, you should continue living your life in the best way you see fit. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, the killing of the Arab and the stranger is kind of been taking it to an extreme. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he would have been. But he's really like the minute you start getting depressed about the absurdism is the minute you like lose. Like he, I know in like the myth of Sisyphus, one of his most popular works, he talks about like this story of a guy pushing a boulder yeah. up a hill and then it like falls down but he keeps on having to go up the hill just yeah. like life how we just have to keep doing keep the nine doing to five over again. Yeah. stuff like that but he says try to imagine sisyphus happy and then he's the actual hero yeah because like even though we're doing an absurd thing every day if you can still be happy then you've triumphed triumphed over the absurdism yeah. i'd say so i mean that's kind of yeah the myth of sisyphus the myth of sisyphus and the stranger are like the two his two crowning achievements, I mm-hmm. think. I mean, his other novels, like The Fall and The Plague, are amazing pieces of literature. But mm-hmm. And he also wrote something called The Rebel, right? Yep. 
Yeah. So that that one was basically about uh, like uh, rebelling against like nihilism and hopelessness. Yeah. It's it's a weird line I think that he rides because I don't know that he necessarily means to tell people that everything's kind of pointless and meaningless mm-hmm. and absurd. I think, like you said, like if you if you can not focus solely on the shitty, weird, absolutely absurd crap that goes on in your life, then mm-hmm. you're kind of, then you're making the best out of a hopeless situation or a a random situation because we weren't if we have no predetermined path, then I mean. What the question is? What do we do? And mm-hmm. if you, if you're stuck in a nine to five thing like like Sisyphus would have been pushing that mm-hmm. twenty four hours a day, just, <laughs> um, I think if you're stuck in that sort of rut and don't try to make something of it, that's when you fall into more of Nietzsche's nihilism mm-hmm. and nothing really being. Is there something that separates Camus from like nihilism, or is he a nihilist? And a nihilism is like, what is nihilism? Nihilism, I'd say, is like the absolute meaningless of everything. Like that—that's when, like, you—I think you—you'd be if you, if anyone was a true nihilist, they wouldn't. So care nihilism about is like, they yeah, they don't even care about morals. Morals, yeah. like they would—they would have no problem killing somebody, and I think that Camus would have never. Yeah killed anybody in his entire life so he's a nihilist with boundaries he's saying like (laughs) it's all absurd and kind of stupid but in the end of the day like we're all here so we might as well try and that philosophy is kind of absurd at the same time it is yeah but at the same time that paradox i feel like is is... i I think that's something that's overly present in our entire life like Mm -hmm. we're all here we might as well make try to make the best of it even though it's stupid, because it's hard, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. When you don't have a belief in a God or something, it's hard to make much sense out of existence, but... And I know Camus is known for, like, being, like, one of the most attractive philosophers, and he had, like, lots of women with him all the time. Right. Was that kind of a part of his, like, philosophy, just enjoying the moment and, like, living I, for the now? I'd say so, yeah. I think... It's, it's exactly like the stranger, like getting overly obsessed with one moment in time, yeah. whether that's a funeral or that's a, I don't know, something kind of stupid happening to you or whatever. It's just, mm-hmm. you're wasting, when we're, when we only have really like a certain lot of time, because mm-hmm. we're all going to die at some point, whether that's at 100 or at 35 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Would you say that Camus was a hedonist? Like well, what's like an actual like actual definition of hedonism? So hedonism would be like complete indulgence and pleasure experiences. Oh, I don't think so. No, I think he he he. I think he wrote a lot of wrote a lot of lines. Like I I think he wouldn't have considered himself a hedonist, but I don't think he would have just completely thrown out like being involved in excessive things but i don't but i think his his entire goal is to try to make sense of what like what we can do living in an absurd life and Mm -hmm. trying to make the best of what what's going on you know 
Mm-hmm. So he says uh, the the main problem that philosophy should be concerned with is the problem of suicide, right? It's a matter of should we kill ourselves or not? <laughs> if everything is ultimately meaningless, and this is all what philosophy comes back to, whether we should, if it's worth being here right. at all. And uh, he says, like, uh, there's two ways people, once they realize that life is absurd and they don't have an answer from the universe, it's just, they're asking, like, what's the meaning of it all? And the universe is silent, he says. And then so they either uh, commit physical suicide or they commit philosophical suicide. And he would say, like, that's like faith and religion and stuff like that, just to help you cope with the fact that there is something afterwards because you want to feel that comfort. So, uh, I think that's just like the idea of doing anything just because it makes you feel comfortable and like doing something. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, like how people go to religion, not necessarily because they believe exactly what the Bible says, but because it makes them feel okay. Like Mm -hmm. there's some like attaching to something just because it makes you okay. I think it's like. Or feel slightly better about mm-hmm. terrible things that are going on or stupid because you're masking what mm-hmm. the reality of things. Well, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the idea of th- that that is absurd in itself. Mm-hmm. Thinking that being ignorant ignorant to whatever is going to make you a little more comfortable, mm-hmm. like that that's you're just becoming blind to the real world. I don't know that the complete context of this quote, but Karl Marx said that religion is the opiate of the masses, so it kind of helps us numb this this fear. Yeah, I think um, that's dumb. You, yeah. you, sh- you should be willing to observe the fact that things things aren't necessarily ever going to be completely okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, and I think that's okay because mm-hmm. as humans, we kind of are built with our consciousness and the petty bullshit were built to like stride past that those things or try to anyway. So doing something just to numb yourself to what's going on is just absolute idiotic behavior. So you say you say you should confront and feel that tension yeah. of like nothingness I think <laughs> after we should, die. You should feel it. You you should be prepared to like. I think even people who are religious and believe that there's some sort of afterlife should be prepared to be fucking disappointed. Um, I know William James, he wrote the Varieties of Religious Experience. He says, ultimately, um, religion comes down to our acceptance of the universe, the way the universe is. And it's like people feel that tension and they make up stories to help them cope with the afterlife. But ultimately, you find the peace and like the surrender that religion talks about when you just accept that. Uh, things are the way they are and that you can't you're not in control of where what happens to you <laughs> right but that's, I, I, yeah I feel like people don't even like that's a statement that 99% of people don't want to deal with yeah accepting the fact that it's that our existence just as humans is so for like since, since we're talking about it absurd and like the percentage the chance <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The chance of any of it, any of that happening, is so unlikely that getting caught up on it with anything like that is just dumb. Just accept the fact that we're gonna 
most likely. Yeah. You know, we're all gonna die at some point. We're not gonna live forever. It's not like so make the best of what you have right now and don't worry about whether or not you're gonna have a seat at God's table or whatever yeah. the hell and, and I think people feel vulnerable in a world that's kind of in, or in the universe that's kind of indifferent to their existence. We want to feel like we're special and that we're comforted by something outside of this and that we're going to be safe. And uh, I, I think they, I think they, they don't want to necessarily feel the vulnerability. They want to be comforted. Of course, everybody wants to be special, but you can be special to mm-hmm. your friends and family and. You don't, you don't have to be special to the point where you think, you think you're so special that you're going to end up in this place that's so great Mm. at the end. Like, do any of us really deserve that? Not really. Everybody fucks up. And And doesn't that mentality kind of make people live for the future instead of the now? Yep. It's like, we're all just waiting. Okay. We're just passing through and we're going to get to heaven one day. Yeah. That's the way a lot of Christians I believe are. Yeah. Like hardcore Instead of maybe just taking care of, not, I don't want to like judge all Christians or anything, but, right, I'm but sure like, there are definitely some that, that ideology can make yourself lean that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, um, it really takes away from the present moment and the, like being present in your relationships with people and taking care of the world. I think you can't really have any, if you're so bent over, like bent over backwards about making it to some greater plain mm-hmm. you can't really have true friendship or anything like that if you're wor- so like so deeply worried about that mm-hmm. <clears throat> you should just try to create meaning out of meaninglessness and hang out with like attempt to i feel like the best way to cope with those things is to just discuss them like we are now mm-hmm. and realize that you're not the only person that thinks that it's kind of stupid like that mm-hmm. our existence is weird and that it's not mm-hmm. preordained and we're not here because we're God's chosen people or something. We're here because <coughs> some random thing happened mm-hmm. and it was just the right condition for us to mm-hmm. exist. I, I forgot where I heard this quote, but like it said, even if we're alone, we're alone together. So... Even though I, I think that's cheesy, but it's true. Yeah, I know it is cheesy, but it is completely true yeah. that we're not the only ones that are. I mean, I'm not the only one that's experiencing this meaningless. Everyone else is too, so we yeah. all can relate to that, and that brings us together. That's why they have. I think that's like the greatest part about philosophy is that we can come together and discuss different points of view, and possibly, you know, find a better way of thinking that can. You know, we can discuss those hard questions so that way we're mm-hmm. not, we don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jordan Peterson said that uh, just because a song ends, does that mean the song was meaningless? Obviously not. Obviously no. not. No. While we're listening to the song, that's what it's meaningful. <laughs> right. So while we're living, it's we're, if, if you're doing something that makes you, at some point or another, even if your job sucks and you hate it and whatever... Like, as long as there are moments where you feel like other people or, like, care about you, whether that's, like, you with your wife or me with Mm -hmm. Yvette or me with 
me, you, and V, and all our, like, friends, and mm-hmm. I think as long as there's some moment there, like, Camu would look on it as you, you've made that meaning out of nothingness, yeah. and that's, I think, his entire view, is that you, it's up to you to mm-hmm. create that meaning, you shouldn't look to a god that wants you to worship him, and that be your meaning, you yeah. can't look to... That's really, that's really interesting, like, uh, I used to listen to like Christian apologists. Those are the Christians that defend like the Christian faith. And they would always say like, uh, if there's nothing after death, then life is meaningless. Well, isn't meaning experienced in the present moment only? It's not experienced in some future or, or past. It's only experienced when you're doing something meaningful. The present is the only, the only way we can experience meaning. Like when you're working on a job and working towards something. That's the only way you can directly experience meaning. Because the pursuit of something is meaningful. Just the pursuit of it. Not even the destination. Right. Well, that's that's like uh, when they talk about using people as uh, the ends in themselves, not just mm-hmm. the means. Yep. Because that's the entire point. Yep. <coughs> Creating something that doesn't even have to do with the end. just has to do with... Making that time yeah. special in whatever way that is, whether it's just talking about philosophy with somebody or it's spending time with the person that you love or whatever that mm-hmm. may be. So uh, is living kind of synonymous to like making a piece of art or like writing a song? It's like it never had to be made. Your life never had to exist, but you can still make it a good life or a good song, you know? Oh, yeah. I definitely think that. Yeah. I think that, like, I mean, and it, it's it's very subjective to what has meaning. So I think there are people that, there are people out there that won't feel like anything means anything unless they're these big, well-known people. But then there's people like you and me or Melanie or Yvette that, the meaning's already happening. Like I've, I've, I've made connections with people. Like I don't really want like a whole lot else to be honest. Like I mean, I'd love to have a job where I like enjoy every day I go mm-hmm. and it's fun or whatever. But like, and we should be just be happy that we exist in general. That we get to have an experience, right. <laughs> even yeah, if it doesn't. In the fact that we've. I think the fact that we've made it this far is pretty astronomical yeah. in, in the great, like being 28, even though that's considered to be relatively young, I think making it that far is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I feel like a lot of people, um, I don't take all those years for granted. And I feel like, uh, I don't know, mm-hmm. 28's a lot. Like if I, if I live to be, I've spent some time here. Hopefully, I spend more time. But mm-hmm. so, what would you say uh, to like religious people think like if life ends, it, life is absurd? What would you say to them if they say that? Well, your philosophy, you're even admitting that it's absurd. So you call religion absurd. Why can't we call you absurd too? Like, well, I, I think it's okay for them to call it absur- anything absurd because it all is. But yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but I'm actually observing that it's absurd. You're you're acknowledging acknowledging the fact that this entire life that all of us lead is kind of insane, Mm -hmm. irrational. I I I think not acknowledging, especially something that 
to me is clearly a fabrication to control people. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like even if you believe that, that's okay, that's your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But not acknowledging that there are going to be people like me or others that think that what you believe is like the most absurd thing ever. Mm-hmm. Like, so you would disagree with like William James, who's like a pragmatist, and he would say, like, if people want to uh, believe in an afterlife or God, like that's okay because it helps them, and ultimately, who really knows what's happening afterwards? So, like, you do your thing, I do my thing. As long as it's helping us, it's not hurting anybody. I kind of, I kind of want, I think I want to believe that, but it's hard for me to accept mm-hmm. some other, like, like, I guess, believing in a thing you've never seen, like, how can you not at least acknowledge that that's kind of absurd? Yeah. Like, have you ever actually seen Jesus or whatever outside of a fucking painting? I don't think so. So just acknowledge, if even if you believe that, just acknowledge that it's kind of strange and absurd that you believe it. Don't act like that's not absurd, but the fact that I think there's, like, we create our own meaning in life. Maybe that is absurd, but, like, don't... don't... So would you say, like, in a perfect world, if everyone believed the same thing, life would go a lot more efficiently? Is that why we all try to argue our ideas and try to, like, convince everybody of our perspectives? Because we want a world that's, like, uh, cohesive and, like... We all are on the same path. And if everyone's going different directions, it feels kind of disorganized and chaotic. I think that's what we'd like, but... Yeah. Then we wouldn't have constructive debates. Yeah, the the diversity in thought is helpful, I feel like. It helps us see... Even if you think something's dumb, I mean, you're you're still... Or, like, absurd or whatever word you want to attach to it, we're still creating, hopefully... Civil dialogue. There are people out there that aren't going to create civil dialogue, which is <coughs> their prerogative, but that just creates a divisiveness that mm-hmm. I don't really want. I, I mean, even, even if you disagree with me or I disagree with you, we should still be able to have civil conversation. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of Christian people, and I'd even say a lot of atheistic people that don't want to have a civil conversation, which sucks because. Mm-hmm. You can learn something from everyone. Do you think there's any utility to religion besides existential comfort? Do you think there's any social utility or good function that religion provides or information that it gives us? Uh, I think it it can give you, uh, it can allow us to look at history and what we have done in the past and shouldn't do in the future. But I don't, I don't think it's, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it has any utility otherwise, because you can make meaningful relationships outside of a church. And, mm-hmm. like, I feel like a lot of people go there for that, like, comfort that they feel there's some point to existence, and they go there to make friends. Mm-hmm. And you can make friends outside. I mean, you can hang out with people outside of anywhere. Mm-hmm. I heard of... <laughs> Uh, there is a narrative theory of religion, which says like religious stories or mythical stories, even uh, we tell these stories to encode sorts of uh, moral information. And so you get like a moral message out of these stories and they're supposed to like, uh, they're like bond uh, social groups together. So like, this is our uh, morality. 
in a, in a story form and then we'll pass these stories down and we'll like, uh, keep that ingrained in our society. What do you think of that? I don't like that. No. <laughs> I feel like you can, there can be any number of stories that teach lessons. Yeah. Even in fiction stories, like that is why we write stories is what yeah. they say. It's like not to even convey religious. a point or to yeah. use story as like a, like a way to mm-hmm. put a message out there. Any fiction story is really just a collection of symbols guide or trying to guide you to yeah. a, so what, like, a certain information. So what's the point in people listening to the story just for messages and going like you can get... I could sit down and read a book and get the same messages. If so, mm-hmm. so what? What is the point of going to church and becoming part of this giant religion? It's really uh. In devoting yourself. That'd be like if I devoted myself to a religion of Harry Potter mm-hmm. and decided I wanted to start worshiping yeah. <laughs> Dumbledore and like that. That's stupid. Well, like religion has like high like emotional content stories. Obviously, like you go into any like charismatic church they're all like falling down and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's it's really like heightened emotion and i think like that's because we're like looking for comfort in these stories and stuff like that like this is our existential anxiety that's acting up about our entire existence and so we need these stories to comfort us and so like some people have gotten past that story but i feel like we still do it in other ways sort of i just think we can get all the good things good things Mm -hmm. And lessons that are in religion you can get out of anywhere else. Mm-hmm. <coughs> God damn it. Do you want a glass of water? <laughs> no, I'm good. I just had a lot of a cough. But... Alright. Uh, so. Do you have any closing statements? Uh, I just think people should try to have fun while, or like, try to have fun and make something out of nothing. Yeah. Like, essentially, I think you should. Quit worrying so much about when you're going to die and fear that you're going to die and just accept the fact that it's coming at some point. Mm-hmm. You might as well create meaningful relationships while you're here. Yeah, so we should just be content with the now and what we have and, and stop wanting something extra and just be yeah. grateful for what we have already. It's, it's like when people want... Uh, it's like when a kid gets like some candy on Halloween and then they want more. Yeah. If we had an infinite you just amount of got You just got free, like a whole bucket of free candy. <laughs> yeah. How can you be mad, like mad that you had it? Yeah. And now you just want more. Like. And if we had eternity or an infinite amount, an amount of time of existence, would we even value the present or time in general? Because if be, we were just like, we have infinite, you know? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be... There goes the value. <laughs> especially if like you're, like people always talk about wanting to be in like immortal and live forever like mm. you won't ever create as meaningful relationships i don't think as you do with those first like like if you were to live to be 300 i don't think you would make as meaningful relationships with people after you're like first 100 years mm-hmm. because now you've witnessed every single person that you've <coughs> god damn it <coughs> every single person that you've cared about die so now what do you, you have to start over clean and fresh and you're you've been living and seeing all these things like mm-hmm. you might as well just take the fact that we all hopefully the vast majority of people have people that at least one or two people that give a crap about them and 
have fun with those people, have meaningful discussion, make something out of the nothingness and absurdity of life, and just live it live it up while you can yeah. in whatever way that is for you some people like to party do crazy things other people like to just sit mm-hmm. around and play games and hang out i think just do whatever you want to do to make a happy make your time alive or whatever something worth yeah i think camu would more. even say live more boldly that knowing that life is absurd just yeah. like just like Nietzsche said, say yes to life. Go yeah. full force at it, knowing that you have limited time here. Yeah, because you never know. I mean, literally, like, I could step out on this. I mean, I hope this doesn't happen, but if I step out on this, I could step outside tonight for whatever reason, get hit by a car and die. Like, mm-hmm. But I think I'd be okay with that. Like, if, if, mm-hmm. if, that, if I knew that that was going to be my end, I, would, I think I've created my life's been pretty meaningful. Mm-hmm. But and I and I've made that with the help of other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's the entire point, really. There we go. Yes, sir. I appreciate you sitting down, Thomas. I'll have you back soon. Yes.